Welcome. My name is Eddie Arrieta. This is Fulfilling Work Life. We intend to talk to leaders, professionals, remoters, human beings from all around the world who share with us their knowledge. Join me in this daily journey. We had an amazing conversation with Steven Shetletsky from Simon Sinek's team and talked a lot about their mission to help people feel inspired by the work they do, feel safe in their context, and of course, feel fulfilled at the end of a workday. We talked about the infinite mindset, the infinite game. We talked about worthy rivals. This was once again an amazing conversation of this show. Please enjoy. And we are officially live. Thank you awesome. so much, Stephen, uh, for joining us today. Um, I have to say that um, everyone has been super excited uh, for this conversation to happen. Um, I'm personally super excited. I have uh, a lot of questions. I hope 45 minutes, it's enough time to get all of those through. But thank you so much. And, 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 and of course, we are super grateful uh, to have you here. I, I love to, to get started uh, um, maybe because, um, you know, some of us might not know uh, where you're coming from, uh, what, what your personal story uh, is like. So I'd love, to, I'd love to learn a little bit about who, who you are, where you come from, and, and how, how did you get to where you are today? Sure. Thanks, Eddie. Pleasure to join you. I'll try to keep my answers quick so we can get through as many as we can. Um, I'm Steven Shedletsky. Um I've worked with Simon Sinek for close to a decade um, for those who don't know, uh, Simon, he's, he's an optimist and an author, has a very popular TED Talk uh, called How Great Leaders Inspire Action, a few books out, Start With Why Leaders Eat Last, Infinite Game, two of them are here. Um, and uh, yeah, I mean, every day I, I wake up with a clear sense of the world I wish to live in, and it's different than the world we live in today. Um, and it's Simon's just cause, Simon's vision I identify with what Simon sees uh, uh, in, in the future, and I want to be part of that. And what we see is a world in which the vast majority of us wake up each day feeling inspired. We feel safe wherever we are, in our communities, at work, at, at our homes, in our homes. Um, and at the end of each day, we feel fulfilled. Um, I, fulfillment is my cause. I believe each and every one of us, regardless of our lot in life, has strengths and I believe it is our human right to use those strengths to contribute to something bigger than ourselves, bigger than profit. Um, I'm talking about belonging or, you know, uh, inspired, safe, fulfilled, you know, s something that you wish for others. Um, and so my, my story isn't, you know, different than, than uh, I think many. Uh, I started on a, on a path. I started climbing a ladder and realized I don't want to climb this ladder. It's not fulfilling to me. And so I went on the the journey to figure out what is my journey? What is the, the ladder or mountain or whatever? What is my journey? Um, so, you know, I graduated out of business school, got a job with a large organization in a leadership development program. I just forgot to ask them how they define the term leadership because I didn't know that there was no standard definition, right? They equated it more as title, profit and loss. And are you uh, white, old and have gray hair? Um, and I defined it more as leadership is a verb to lead. It's about um, serving those in our span of care and contributing to something bigger than ourselves, right? Bigger than our own self-interest and bigger than, than profit. And so I, I got lucky. I literally went to a conference to hear Malcolm Gladwell speak and uh, Simon Sinek spoke just before him. And I had been familiar with Simon's work. A mentor sent to me his TED talk. And I just got lucky, Eddie, right time, right place. I, I'd be doing this work with or without Simon, and I feel I'm so grateful that I get to do it with him and march shoulder to shoulder with him. And we, we teach leaders how to inspire their people. Um, we care to invest in the leaders who care to invest uh, in, in purpose and in people. And we will stand uh, by their side and help them in whatever way that, that, that we can. That is, that is fantastic. Thank you so much. It's an amazing uh, introduction. I think... I, I, I want to get to one question, but, but right before, before that, I, I want to ask you, because many, many of those that are listening to this today or are listening to the podcast or, or, or the videos later uh, might not know what the infinite mindset is. Uh, mm -hmm. Could you give us that, that quick definition of what the infinite mindset is? Sure. So Simon just came out with his third thinky thinky book called The Infinite Game, and it's built off of game theory. So... Um, uh, game theory became, uh, was theorized and became well-known in the mid-80s. Um, one of the prominent uh, 
um, uh, theologians on the topic was a guy named James Carse. And he wrote a book in 1986 called Finite and Infinite Games. And what it, it, it's, a, it's, a, it's a law, a rule of how we operate in this world as, as human beings. Um, if you have two or more players, you have a game. And as it turns out, there are two types of games. There are finite games and there are infinite games. Finite games are defined as having known players agreed upon rules and objectives and metrics of success. And there are winners and losers. There's a clear beginning, middle, and end. Soccer, football, right? There's no third team that can run out of the bleachers that would break the system. We agree upon all the rules, except for maybe an interpretation of a yellow card. And there's an end, right? And once extra time is over and, and, and the game is done, you, you can't say like, give us five more minutes, we can come back. Like that breaks the rules of, of the game. Um, finite games uh, uh, start and end, and we hope to come back and compete again, right? And feel that rush of trying to win. Um, infinite games, on the contrary, have known and unknown players. Players come and go, but the game lives on. Um, the rules can change. They're arbitrary. You can make them up, which is why if someone says in their industry, we're number one, there's no standard metric. So you can be in the same freaking industry and say, we're also number one. Because like, what's the metric? Square footage, revenues, your mother's opinion? Like there's, there's no standard. And let's face it, number one, for now, but like, you can't win, right? So infinite games have known and unknown players. Um, the rules can change. There's no standard metrics uh, of success. And um, there are no winners and losers. There's only a head and behind because the game never ends. And if you think about it, we are constantly players in multiple infinite games in our lives. Um, uh, all of our relationships are, are infinite. Though our lives are finite, life is infinite, right? Friendship, marriage, like I can't win marriage. I can be number two, I can't be number one, right? I can, there's no winning marriage. There's definitely no winning education or healthcare or global politics. There's no winner of global politics. And there's no winner of, of business. There's no winner of career. Um, but if you look at the way too many uh, uh, leaders talk about business, they say, be number one, be the best or beat their, beat their competition. These are all finite mindsets. And you get into trouble if you're playing in a particular game with the wrong mindset. If you're playing in a game of football with an infinite mindset, the goal isn't to win the game. The goal is just to stay in the game. No, no, no. Like, you better win. Otherwise, you can't come back tomorrow and play. Like, it, it behooves you to win. Similarly, if you're playing um, in an infinite game with a finite mindset, think of the war on drugs, right? If the, if the drug administration is trying to win the war on drugs, Whereas the drug establishment, the drug lords are just trying to exist. If you knock down one drug lord, you don't win the war on drugs, another leader emerges. And so it would behoove us to play the, the game of the, of the war on drugs as a preventative game, as, as a game that there is a head and behind, there are no winners and losers. And so leading with, with an infinite mindset is knowing um, that the goal is not to win, the goal is to constantly improve. Um, and Simon wrote this book on how to lead with an infinite mindset for an infinite game. Thank you so much. Uh, I think I think that's a great that's a great uh, a way to get started. And and the reason why I wanted to ask this is because uh, as as a leader myself, and I've been fortunate to lead certain teams, certain scenarios. Uh, but I have to say that I am not perfect by any means. In in fact, you know, before you understand really the notion of having a purpose on like waking up every day to work on your craft and finishing the day, even if you left. 20 different tasks undone and you still feel satisfied it's like that feeling i i cannot i cannot like I don't get the words to, to say how, 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 how you sleep so much better, how you wake up inspired to continue another day and say, yes, I didn't finish the other 20 tasks because this is again, like an infinite game. Um, but along the way, before you get to, to, to that, to that level or before you start kind of like discovering that conversation, mm -hmm. there are many mistakes that you can make. And, and in leadership, I know a lot of, a lot of uh, my friends and people that listen to these, uh, they are leaders and they have made terrible mistakes, myself included, terrible mistakes in leadership. And then you might think that you're doomed. And I really wanted to ask you this because I really wanted to hear from you. You've talked, you talk to leaders from all around the world. When you encounter leaders who have made terrible mistakes in their leadership, 
leadership. And, and I think in one of your talks, you talk about, you know, toxic leadership and how some people at the end of the year, you know, they, they achieve their goals, but then they are toxic leaders and then they get the reward. But sometimes, you know, you are a toxic leader and then all of a sudden you are no longer a leader. You are doomed. Uh, according to this, to this, to this game. So I wanted to hear your perspective about how does someone understand mistakes? How does someone understand falling into into all of these uh, different behaviors and practices and conducts? And how how do they move forward, uh, considering the now the infinite mindset? Yeah, great question. Um, I mean, this is part of the beauty of what makes us human. Is is uh, we can own up to our mistakes and we can improve. You know, we can, we can, we can live uh, a life with a finite mindset where we value ourselves rather than the people around us. And we value our title and the car we drive, you know, like we, we can get it wrong and then transform and get it right. So, I mean, A, uh, welcome to the club, Eddie. No one's perfect. Um, and anyone who says they're perfect or calls themselves an, an, an expert, I invite you to run away. Like, I'm not interested in, in, in hanging out with people who say I'm an expert. I'm interested in hanging out with people who can be confident, but there's a difference between confidence and arrogance, right? Arrogance is thinking you're better than others. Confidence is thinking you're good, but you're always willing to improve. There are people that I've met that have huge egos and they earn them <laughs> based on what they've done in their life. But as soon as someone says, I think I have an idea to help you improve, they are all in. They're all ears because they care about improving. Um, so I think the, you know, the, in, an infinite mindset and a finite mindset, they're not binary. Like, it's not like, oh, well, I'm infinite minded and only always ever infinite minded. Like we fall off the wagon. It's based on context. You can be infinite minded in work and finite minded at home. Like, you know, no one's perfect. And it's, it, it's a, a big, ugly mess. Um, and the, and the beauty of an infinite mindset uh, as well is, you know, like there, there are days, Eddie, well, I, I will get a lot of things done, but I won't have that feeling of, of, of accomplishment. Like recently, it's been so interesting through, through this pandemic because some of the lessons that I've learned, um, you know, I, I, I've had swings of there are weeks where I'm so productive and so creative. And then there are like seven to 10 day periods where like, I'm still getting stuff done, but I feel like drained. And so part of the, the, the beauty of this time is the, is the lessons are just so much more intense and pure because this time is, is intense. So it's interesting sort of what I'm learning about myself and how I work as well. Um, but I, you know, if, if you're, you know, first and foremost, you cannot, you, you can lead a horse to water. You cannot force them to drink. Um, to have a growth mindset or an infinite mindset, an attitude of improvement, you have to choose to want to improve. You have to choose. Um, uh, this is why every leadership development program starts with a module on self-awareness, starts with self, always. Um, and as soon as you know you, you wish to improve or as, as soon as you, as you have identified a problem or, or an opportunity to, to improve, now you've started. You have an openness and a willingness. And so, you know, the 12-step the program from Al Alcoholics Anonymous is a great program in making real sustainable change. Step one, admitting you have a problem. Step 12, Alcoholics Anonymous knows you will not beat the, the disease of, of alcoholism if you do not um, uh, uh, do step 12. And step 12 is to help another alcoholic. It's service, right? And so um, A, you have to admit that you want to improve and then the journey begins. And so if you've messed up in the past, do you know how to build trust again? Say, I messed up. Here's how I think I messed up. If you feel that I've messed up in other ways, please tell me. I want to hear it. I ask you to do it with respect, but please tell me. I want to learn. I want to improve. Um, and then go on the journey of improving. Go on the journey of using your career and life to pursue something bigger than, than yourself. Go on the journey of becoming a, a, a leader, which means that you help others become leaders. Um, you know, uh, go on the journey of studying other people, not to beat them, but to use them as a foil to help you improve. Be willing to invent, reinvent um, what it is you do if you find a better way to bring your cause to life. Even if you're making money here doing this thing, if you find a better way, be willing to put your ego and your cash cow aside to go 
pursue the thing that's going to be way better. This is Steve Jobs deciding to um, uh, invest in graphic user interface in 1979. He took a tour of Xerox Park. He found a way better thing than they were working on. He told his exec team, we're doing that. They said, Steve, you're crazy. We've already invested thousands of hours and millions of dollars into, the, into this project called the Lisa. How, how could we abandon that? We're going to implode our company. And he said, better we do it to ourselves than, than somebody else. And that decision was, was the Macintosh OS, which com completely re revolutionized computers, right? Um, so uh, yeah, be, be willing to, uh, to admit you've made mistakes, own up to them, which builds trust, and just keep improving. And, and the, the beauty of this thing is it's, it's never done. Like you don't reach 65 and you're like, okay, now I'm a leader. Like you always, you always have to work on it. You know, a funny little aside, my, my dad um, asked his dad when, when uh, his, I'm pretty sure it, my, my grandfather was 98 and like on his deathbed. And he, and he asked my, he, he asked my grandfather, um, because, you know, my dad has done well in life. He's had a good career. He's been a good, honest, you know, man with integrity. He's raised three kids who have found life partners and now has five or six, five grandchildren. Um, and my dad asked my, my, my grandfather, when do you ever stop worrying about your kids? And my 98-year-old grandfather on his deathbed started laughing. He said, I'm still worrying about you now. Which, wow. you know, it just, it just means the stuff never ends. It never ends. And I, and I really like what you're mentioning about a constant improvement. It's, it's, not, it's not about you saying, okay, now it's done. I took the three steps. Okay, now I can go on and continue worrying uh, about, about my paycheck. It's, it's, it's almost like there are, and, and there are so many elements of it. And, and I think a lot of the questions that we have had, and, um, and I hope I, I ask this question with the right context so that you, that you see what the audience is, is also listening to in the, other, in the other episodes that we have had. Mm -hmm. I mean, it's they always ask these questions regarding how they feel attacked, how they feel the context is looking, how they feel there is judgment, how they feel that someone is looking for them to fall apart. And, and sometimes it's the competition or if you're not the leader of the company is the person that, you, that works next to you. So there are two designers and now we're going to have this hack in the company. We're going to have everyone compete to see who is best and da 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 and da da et cetera, et cetera. Yeah. I, I do not like those strategies but it's something that recurrently is asked within this podcast. And I wanted to ask you because I do know that, um, that there is a difference in, in, in the narrative that, that, that you all talked about uh, within the Simon Sinek community, which is the difference between rivals and worthy rivals mm -hmm. and, and threats. And, and, and this, this whole thing that we imagine, I don't know, in our brains that's going to come and eat us. And I, I really wanted to hear your perspective about what, what a worthy rival is versus this death threat that we have around us all the time. Sure. Well, you, you also just touched on a few other things that are, that, popped up for me. So I'm definitely happy to speak to competition versus worthy rival. But you, you also sort of mentioned Eddie, like leadership is hard. Like it's thankless. Like I, I as, as, as I've stepped into roles of leadership on, on our team, there are times when, you know, um, I don't have all the information. Um, I don't have all the time in, in the world. I'm trying to make progress. Um, you know, I'm trying to keep multiple, like uh, every party involved and I make a decision and I act and I do something and I communicate and whatever it is. Um, and I'm distinctively remembering one time where we had to make a team announcement. Um, it was time sensitive because if we didn't, if we didn't make the announcement, then it would have got out in another way. And then the narrative goes, you know, and so I, I made a call with our president. I, I made an announcement. Someone got pissed off. They felt it should have come from them, this, that, and the other, right? And so um, kudos to them. They complained. They felt confident and safe enough to say, um, I didn't like that. It should have come from me, this, that, and the other. And um, I had a choice to make. I could have made them wrong, could have got pissed off, or I could have listened. 
I could have acknowledged their feel their feelings. I hear you. I understand why you feel that way. Get it totally. Can I share with you the reason I did what I did? Can I share with you things that were coming from from my perspective? Because like, there's no such thing as the truth. There's only um, there's only seven billion interpretations of the truth, right? And your truth plus my truth equals higher truth. So I heard my my colleagues' truth and and acknowledged it and made sure that I understood what they were saying. Um, and then I shared my truth, and they went, "Oh, that makes sense." Thanks for listening and thanks for sharing your perspective. So it's just this notion that like, uh, um, what is it? Uh, the, uh, our, our condition of, of society is that we demand to be led but refuse to follow. Like it's hilarious, but like leadership is tough and you're under the microscope and, and you know, you're gonna piss people off and you're gonna do things wrong. And it's not about making others wrong. It's about hearing, acknowledging, and still standing strong in this is what I did and this is why I did it. Unless you're like, oh, I totally messed that up. And then you can own it back to our previous conversation. Um, the other, the scenario where you may be working in an organization and your leaders pit you against e each other, um, poor leadership. There is such a thing as healthy competition. But when you create competition, such that, you know, if you do better, you get promoted. And if you do worse, you get fired. Well, that's just going to cause unethical behavior. Um, you know, you put a good person in a bad system, guess what? System wins. Put a bad person, someone that we feel unfit for, unfit for society into a good environment, they're capable of doing amazing things. And so one is that the, the power is always with the, the, the people. And we have to remember that. So if your boss pits you against a colleague, you can go to the colleague and say like, do you want to do this? And if the colleague's like, yeah, I want to kick your butt. You're like, all right, fine. You can choose to, to do it or you can be like, I'm out. Like, go for it. I'm not going to play that game. Or you and your colleague or you and your team can go like, yeah, they're an idiot. This isn't us at our best. Let's do it a different way. And then all of a sudden you formed a tribe people who believe what what you believe and it can be you um doing things despite them like one of the blessings of having an awful leader is it actually makes your team a lot stronger because you all agree they're like you know we, we know what's up we can get this done we can you know and, and we can do it in a way that we we feel good the power is always with the with with the people um and so if you're in a situation where a boss pits you against others, um, your choice, you don't have to be in it. You can choose to do something else. Um, or you can try to choose to be the leader that you wish you had, which means that you show up to serve and take care of the person to the left of you and the person to the, to the right of you. And you strive to, to, to improve. Um, and what, what you touch on, Eddie, is the difference between um, competition and worthy rival. Competition is finite-minded. If you're a competitor, there's a winner and there's a loser, right? But just because you win and get a promotion doesn't mean you win career. You keep going. Um, and believe me, people will remember how you showed up. And the next time there's an opportunity to hire someone or take a risk on someone, are you going to hire the one who showed up with a competitive spirit to beat you or the one who played nice, right? Um, a worthy rival is this notion of there are other players in the game. The goal um, is constant improvement. So your competition is yourself, right? Uh, a, a friend of mine is a, is a spiritual leader, religious leader, and every year he tells his congregation, um, I hope next year you have a better leader and I hope it's me, right? The goal is to get better <laughs> yes. next year, to have a better culture, to be a better leader, to have better products, all the things, um, and sometimes you're ahead and sometimes you're behind to, to the other players. But the goal is to choose the players that are worthy of comparison, that when you study them, it reveals in you an area to improve. You study the other players who are better than you at something or many things. And by studying them, you go, oh my God, that's so good. We have to do that. Or they frustrate the heck out of you, but it's not about them. It's about your own in insecurities but a, a perspective of worthy rival allows you to improve rather than a, spec, a pers perspective of competition 
is win loss, um, which puts you at the risk of acting unethically. And and this is this is fantastic because I have um, Japanese friend. His name is Ryo Momochi, and and. He is uh, super smart, so smart. He he social doesn't have many friends, but uh, I, and it's very it's very it's very strange that we're friends because uh, I tend to talk a lot, <laughs> and 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 he's much quieter. And I remember I love watching anime, and um, there is this game, this Japanese game called Shogi, and I asked him, hey, I, I see you're reading a lot of these books about the strategy, and and I asked him, is it to to you know, help you beat someone, like to to be the best at this. And what he told me is like, no, I I I am trying to find a worthy rival. So I said, oh, I I I I want to learn this game. And he's like, we can't play together because then I wouldn't improve. Mm. I I I would just be helping you improve, which it's okay. I might learn something from it, but I don't think we are the you are my right partner. You need to go on a quest to find this right partner. And I found that so enlightening because I always thought oh, I'm gonna play chess to beat the other person, to be the best in the world at playing chess. And even though chess in itself, just that game in itself, might it's it's a finite game. You mm-hmm. know, once it's done, someone won. The interaction between the two elements, it's not finite. It's it's, yeah. it's it's infinite. It's yeah. it's we we are here, and I do remember um, finding people in my life that allow me to do that. And and I wanted to ask you within uh, someone's team and within someone's organization, and 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 I kind of got a hint already on the answer. But how important it is to find those allies, those those that help you improve, those that resonate with your values and with your vision, and that yeah. can allow you to grow in the future. Absolutely. I mean, it's you're as you say that, Eddie. It's like if if I, I play squash, I play tennis. Um, when you when you play someone who's worse than you, it actually brings your level of play down. Um, it doesn't mean you 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 can't mentor them and improve or whatever it might be. But it but it's funny. You tend to play better when you play someone who's a bit better than you because you're you're trying to level up. Um, allies are, are are huge. So. Uh, I'll give, you, I'll give you one example of a worthy rival of, of mine and how he's helped me improve. And then I think allies also speak to collaboration and speak to feedback, which is such a, such a gift. So um, uh, I, I have a, a, a worthy rival. It's someone on, on our team. Um, they're very good at what they do. Uh, they, um, they think different than I do. They're very analytical whereas I'm quite reactive and emotional and shoot from my hip. He's very thorough, well thought out. Nothing comes out of his mouth unless he's thought about it first. Tons of stuff comes out of my mouth before I think about it. Let me think out loud, I'll say. He says, I have a thought, right? Um, uh, He's tall, Uh, I'm not, and I hate him. Like I have an irrational hatred towards him. Like, I don't know what it is. And like, we're on the same team and we care about the same just cause of a more inspired, safe and, and, and fulfilled world. And when he does well, I'm pissed off inside. And when I do better, I'm like, oh. um, and some time ago, he called a meeting um, as an ally. Uh, he wanted to get my feedback on something. And they, and they call me Shed on our team. He said, Shed, I want to run an idea by you because anytime I run an idea by you, you make it better. And I'm like, well, this is exceptionally inconvenient. This person that I have this irrational hatred for is giving me a compliment, right? And so um, he said, we're, we're so different that you think ways that I never will. And I'm like, wow, he's so right, right? Like he, he and I, if, if we took any personality or, be, or behavior assessment, total polar opposite, right? Um, uh, and what he was saying, and this was before we had the language of worthy rival. He called me a foil, but he, 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 he essentially said, we're worthy rivals. And I, and I realized in that moment that my insecurity had less to do with him and everything to do with me. He just revealed to me areas that I'm weak in. And so my insecurity just had to do with my own areas of improvement. And, and he pointed out to me that together we're remarkable allies because he'll see it from this way and I'll see it from, from this way and we meet in the middle and make each other better. And when he called that meeting and we had that conversation, it totally transformed my viewpoint 
my perspective and my relationship with him. It didn't mean that I didn't get frustrated by, by him ever again. It happened all the time, but I learned to reinterpret that frustration as, ooh, opportunity for improvement, or I'm not seeing something, or here's an opportunity for me to get better. Um, I think further, you know, like what's the definition of a friend, which is the same thing as an ally. But, you know, when, when you ask someone like, what's a friend? Well, a friend is someone that you, you, you trust. A friend is someone that you feel that they have you, your best interest in mind, not their own best interest in mind. Um, and a friend is someone who is willing to tell you the thing you don't want to hear, but the thing you ought to, ought to hear, you should hear. And so allies are huge. Um, you know, my, my wife is, a, is an ally. I don't love her delivery all the time, but she will tell me things that piss me off. And they piss me off, not because of her, but because of me. She's pointing out weaknesses. She's pointing out opportunities to improve. And I thank her for it. And though I might get triggered or emotional in, in the moment, there's a lesson there for me. And it's being delivered with love and from a perspective of, of improvement. So allies are huge um, because as individuals, we're junk together were remarkable. This is what's allowed us to thrive as a, as a species. Um, we're not this, the fastest, we're not the strongest, but we're smart and we can cooperate. We can form bonds of trust and, and, and cooperation and form teams and tribes, and then we can accomplish things that are beyond our own realm of, of, uh, of, of, of imagination. Awesome, that, that's great. Thank you so much for sharing. I, I have a question. That's that I think it's related to 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 all of these when you talk about allies and I know internally for you, um, of course you probably work with the internal with with the infinite mind mind mindset and you know uh, I think in, in one of the talks that I've that I've heard um, we're talking about goals and how sometimes you do have these goals and then you might meet them you might exceed them or you might not and the point is not to be. Uh, limited by by the by, by your inability to hit or surpass the goal that that's not what's important what's important is this this whole path but i did wanted to ask you about mm -hmm. how do you do it internally um to keep yourselves um ambitious enough to say we are trying to do something that's much greater than ourselves it's not just to set a, a goal that then oh we then just don't care about goals it's like uh, oh, no, it's, it's, it's not about that so i i have that question specific because i really want to understand how do you do it internally at, at at your team well so context is is everything so we we have goals um and the reason we have our so <laughs> this is fun so in in uh, chapter five of the infinite game simon writes it's my favorite chapter it's called the responsibility of business revised in the mid to late 1970s there is a pervasive theory that the responsibility of business is to maximize profit and shareholder value while staying within the bounds of the law what about ethics like that is a awful definition that the, the only point of business is to make money that's like saying the point of buying a car is to put fuel in it Like, no, the point of buying the car is to go places and fuel profit is, is the, uh, uh, or money is the fuel that helps us get there. I'm not anti-capitalist. We're not anti-capitalist. We're pro-capitalist. We're just anti-capitalism the way it's been practiced for the past 40 years, and we're trying to shift it. And so the responsibility of business from our belief is threefold. Um, one, advance a purpose give people a place where they feel like they belong and that their value is bigger than the tangible output of their work, right? That they feel as though they're contributing to something bigger than themselves. It gives us a sense of belonging and fulfillment and loyalty. It means that we're willing to sacrifice, show up early, stay late, accept a lower paying job to stay here because you believe in what you're working on and you believe in the people that you're doing it with. Um, to protect your people. Uh, it is a right that organizations ought to protect human beings, um, uh, protect your employees, uh, have your customers' best interests in mind, treat your vendors well, and treat uh, your society well. And which it also has to do with protecting people is protecting the environments within, within which you operate. Because if you don't protect the environment, well, then you can't practice business there at some point, And that's not good, good, for, good, good, good for business, sustainability. And then three, generate profit. Profit isn't a dirty word, but profit ought to be used to reinvest back into one and two. It ought to be used to help you advance your, your purpose and help you protect your, your people. All of our goals are steeped in how can we reinvest into the business to keep doing more and how can we take care of our people? 
And so when we say we, we, we have a goal of X, um, it, the, the point of the goal is not X. The point of the goal is what does X do? What does X create for us? Um, and anytime we go on a venture, we ensure that it helps us advance our cause of creating a more inspired, safe, and fulfilled world. There are plenty of business opportunities that have come to us, and it wasn't going to help us advance it. It may have given us a lot of short-term money, but we've said no to it because it'll actually stray our attention, our focus, and we'll feel resentment. Even though it'll make us rich in the short term, uh, it won't fulfill us, and it won't help us actually make progress into what we care about, again, which is people feeling inspired, safe, and fulfilled. This is fantastic. Thank you so much. I want to make sure that everyone uh, that's on on uh, the live uh, right now, either on Facebook or here, has the opportunity to ask questions. For those of you that are listening to this uh, in an asynchronous way at some other time, feel free to send an email. Feel free to send a message. I'll make sure that we direct those questions to Stephen. Um, but I want, uh, Stephen, for you to indulge me with one more question sure, sure. for myself, for my personal sake. That's and, fine. Um, I, I'm, I'm super interested in personal cycles. Uh, um, I, the, the night before yesterday night, um, uh, I had, once again, like four tasks that I had to do. And usually okay. I would work, I had my last stretch of the day. And I would go from 9 p.m. to 10 p.m. And then I decided I'm not going to do it. I, I, I can't, I'm just going to play with my son. And I, I didn't finish those tasks. And the next day I felt so much i felt fresher i felt i felt exponentially better exponentially mm -hmm. better and i was like ah, if, if this is true for me it must be true for those that are leading the world for those that are really doing this right and then i i, I said you know who i'm gonna ask this question so i'm gonna ask Stephen, what is your personal cycle what are those things within what you do that help you uh refresh that help you work at your optimal level not that people should do what you do but mm -hmm. it, it gives us maybe a, a sense of understanding understanding what it is that that applies to you that perhaps could apply to us so i wanted to ask you that in particular sure i don't think that's a selfish question i think that's still a service oriented question and i mean listen we're, we're all different so what works for me may not work for you. Um, there, there are a few things that I'm uh, learning. It's funny, sometimes I'll give myself a break and then I will be less productive. Sometimes I give myself a break and I'll be more productive. So it's, it's, it's interesting. And I, I don't know if I'm the best person to ask about productivity and optimal performance hacks because I'm pretty unconventional. Um, uh, I'm, I'm similar to Simon in the sense that I, I can't predict when I'm going to be productive and creative, which is really freaking annoying. Like, I wish I could. You know, S Simon talks about there are, there are authors out there. You know, Simon never intended to be an author. He kind of stumbled into it. There are authors out there who say, like, every day, wake up. It's the first thing that you should do. Write for 90 minutes. Have a practice. Do this, like, like routine for me. Like, good luck. Um, which is exceptionally frustrating. Um, and I heard a really interesting definition of procrastination by Adam Grant, uh, who wrote, uh, uh, wrote Give and Take, which I love. Um, and Adam Grant said, procrastination isn't being lazy. Procrastination is about avoiding a negative feeling, a negative emotion. So often I'll procrastinate because I don't know a clear path ahead and I don't want to fail. Or procrastination is, it's going to be uh, hard work that I don't prefer. It's going to, I'm going to have to, you know, uh, stretch my skills and strengths and do stuff that I don't like. So I avoid pain. Right. Um, so he, here's something that I've, that I've been learning um, through this interesting time. Cause we're into what week 10 or 11. I can't keep track. You could tell me it was March 30th and I'd believe you. Um, so when the pandemic hit, uh, the vast majority of our business was from live events. Uh, we would, you know, hop in planes, trains, automobiles, go to conferences and companies um, and run seminars, workshops, consulting engagements, talks. That uh, shriveled overnight. Like that just disappeared. And we don't know if it'll come back or how it'll come back. And so our revenues disappeared and we had a runway of how much cash we had in order to 
keep everyone employed. Like it was very clear what we had to do. And so we had to make a, a, a pivot and we decided to create live online classes that we have all of this, all these workshops, all this content, all these ways that we can facilitate really meaningful um, uh, uh, classes and sessions for, for people. And so we launched a live online class business. And the first five weeks of the, of the pandemic, I was super productive. Like, every, like I woke up, got my kids breakfast, often, you know, came downstairs, started working at 8.30, 9 a.m. My wife was fantastic. She understood what, this, what the stakes were. This was about saving the, the company and saving my colleagues and myself. Um, and I put in 10 to, 20 hour, 10 to 12 hour days every single day for, for five weeks and worked weekends as, as well. And like I was working by nine, stopped by five, maybe took a bit of a lunch break, walked with, with my kids outside, had dinner, put them to bed. And then I was working eight or eight 30 again until midnight for like five weeks straight. And we finally shipped new product. We got things out. And then after we had like a big event um, and I didn't, you know, I didn't sleep great for, for a few nights and we finally did the thing and it was successful. I like crumbled. Um, it's not like I didn't have less work to do. I had just as much work to do, but my mind and body wouldn't let me work 12 hours a day. It just wasn't there. And it, and it lasted for like seven to 10, to 10 days. And it was awful. You know, it was awful where I felt bleh, I felt unproductive. I felt tired. Um, but I came out of it and I came out of it because I started, you know, just feeling re-energized again. I started to get that sense of urgency. Um, colleagues helped me with some energizing conversations. And then I was back at it again for like two or three weeks straight, like 12 hour days, like getting so much done, feeling amazing. My personal life was going to, to, to hell, but my work life, I was productive. And then I hit another milestone and shipped new products and got some new stuff out the door and then I had another 10 days of like, bleh. and like, I was still being productive. I was still doing stuff, but I did not feel at my best. I didn't feel energized or creative. And I've learned to interpret this as there's a higher intelligence. Like my, my th there's something within me that knows when I can be creative, when I can push it. And when my mind and body is saying, Stephen, you need to slow down and take a break. Because we, we can't, like, we know this about ourselves. Like, we can't, we can't run a marathon every single day for the rest of our lives. Just not going to work. And you can't run a marathon at a sprint's pace. And so I, I've just learned to, to interpret that my body is sending me signals and I should listen to it. And that when it says slow down or work eight hours, today or take the day off, like, listen, I still need to be responsible and be a good, a good communicator to my colleagues and, and family. But I, I don't know if that helps, uh, Eddie, but um, I mean, uh, uh, balance is huge. Like we are, we are not just human doings or we're, we're human beings. And sometimes when we go for, you know, like I'll be stuck and pissed and unproductive and my wife says, go for a walk. I walk around the block and I'm, I'm refreshed or I'm not yet. And that's okay. Um, but uh, again, I, I think not to interpret what we're feeling as good or bad just is. Um, and when you embrace an infinite mindset, there's no good days and bad days. There are ahead days and behind days, you know, and you're allowed to have a, a behind day, but the goal is to come back tomorrow and make it better. Um, but you know, something that I, I just, we, we, we had a, an internal team session on meditation and mindfulness yesterday. And one of the things that I learned is try to start the day with something that you enjoy. Try. It's hard with a four-year-old and a one-year-old. I know you, you have that as well. But this morning, it was beautiful out. There wasn't a cloud in the sky. And I went for a walk with my daughter to go mail some letters with her that, he, that she's made in uh, uh, mildly legible writing to all of our our, our family and we dropped them in, in the mail and it was a wonderful walk. And then um, alternate tasks between non-preferred and preferred. So if like, we all have stuff that we have to do that we don't enjoy, right? We all, if we're all res responsible adults, unless, you know, or, 
president of whatever, and people do that stuff for us. But all of us, like every single one of us, regardless, we all have stuff that we don't want to do. And I, I'm a big fan. I'm, I'm working on alternating, like start the day with something you enjoy if you can, and then do a non-preferred task and then reward yourself with a preferred task and then alternate. Um, so I don't know if I'm the best on the on productivity hacks, but those are a few ideas that I have. Uh, that, that, that is fantastic. And, and, and Stephen, I want to be super respectful uh, with your time. I think we, with this last uh, a very short question, uh, we'll hit everyone who is mentioning. But uh, I want to set some of the good comments uh, uh, that, that the people have. A really good day to enjoy a, a new good conversation. Every business owner, every boss must watch you and practice what you say. Your perspective is unique. Thank you. Uh, what Steven says also applies for music. Uh, and I would say um, that the question that I have is, where can we find uh, the resources? Where can we get involved? How do we join the online classes? Uh, how do we get uh, going with some of this? Because people are asking, where, how do I find my why? How do I find the why for my business? How do I get involved with my coworkers? So I think it's, 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 it's the same question. Where do we get involved? Where do we find resources? And how do we get started with the online classes? Awesome. Cool. And I, I have a few more minutes, so I can stay on for, for five more minutes or so if, if we need. Uh, so um, all roads lead to simonsinek.com. Um, and if you want to check out our live classes, go to simonsinek.com forward slash shop. I can drop that in our, uh, our chat here. Um, uh, yeah, and there's a bunch of live classes there. We actually have a live class to help you find your why called Jumpstart Your Why. It's been very popular. It's been a lot of fun. And we're going to put more up. Um, uh, Juan Pablo, who asked, how, uh, how do you find a why for your product or service? The answer is, is you don't. Um, you find a why for you, right? Um, if you find a why for your product or service, you're actually going in the wrong order. You're trying to prove that the product or service has, has value. But let's face it, the product or service you offer may change. But what doesn't change is, is why you do it. So the way to find your why individually or for an organization is actually to go to your past is you think about the moments that make you feel proud to be you. Again, either as an individual or, or an organization. And if you as an individual um, are, are a founder or visionary of your company or your organization, your why is the why of your company and, 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 and organization. Richard Branson is Virgin. Steve Jobs is uh, Apple, uh, et cetera, et cetera. So try not to find the why for your product or service. Um, try to find your why by looking to the moments in the past that make you feel proud to who you are. And hopefully your product or service simply proves who you are and what you believe. Um, cool. What other questions do we have here? Anything else I can do to help? Yeah. Loretto had, had one. He was also asking about what do you think about worker cooperatives? And I, I don't know if you're familiar with the, with the cooperatives. I, I think it's, it's a term that we also use in Latin. Yeah. Co-ops. Yeah. 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 Um, uh, and uh, you may know what co-ops mean more, but it's it, it's essentially. It's, can you tell me what how you view a view a co cooperative? It's like more. It's a, is it employee owned or how, how does yeah, it work? it's employee it's employee owned and they usually work for. And and I think this is what Loreto and Loreto correct us is if, if we're wrong on this perspective. But I think what he's asking is because we were talking about allies when he asked this question. Mm -hmm. uh, how do how do like cooperatives help workers get together to work? For oh, unions. Right. So the unions, exactly. Yeah, yeah, yes, yeah. unions is an English so, word. So if, if you look at the reason unions were created, um, it's because of shitty leadership. It's because of finite-minded leaders. Um, unions started in the Industrial Re Revolution because um, uh, those who were running organizations saw people as machines and not people as human beings, and they put people to work in awful conditions and the people, good for them, realized that the power was in them. And if we band together and form a, a union, we actually have some rights and can say, we're not going to work. We, you know, whatever it might be. But unions, the, the, the founding of unions were actually based in a mistreatment of human beings, which means if we treat human beings properly, we may not need unions. Um, there's a great leader by the name of Bob Chapman that Simon's written about in Leaders Eat Last. Um, and he runs... Uh, he is a company that's based out of St. Louis, Missouri, but it's, it's a global company and they're, they're, they're manufacturing. They make big machines that go on to make paper. Um, but they stand for something. Um, their, their 
they measure their success in the way that they impact human beings' lives. They believe in truly human leadership. Um, and so uh, Bob, uh, part of their business model is they would buy uh, underperforming manufacturing companies and bring them back, back to life from a financial perspective, but also in a, a truly human leadership way. And they bought a, a company and had a meeting and the union leader was there and the union leader said, what are you going to do for our, for our union? And Bob Chapman said, I don't give a crap about your union. I care about you. And so if you actually have good leadership, you don't necessarily need unions because good leaders take care of their people. Um, but what I think what Loretto is speaking to as well, which is these outrageous compensation packages for executives are backwards. They're wrong. Um, I don't believe in them. I do believe that there's hierarchy. And I do believe that someone who's um, more senior, who has more strategic responsibility, like I'm fine with, with hierarchy, but it shouldn't be 250 to one or 2,500 to one in terms of the com comparable pay. Um, and uh, um, and co I think co cooperatives as well, which is people take care of each other. Yeah, duh. Um, and uh, yeah, when, again, when you have a, a broken system, you put people in, into a broken system, the system always wins. So um, I'm fine with people making enough. I'm fine with uh, those more senior making more than those less junior, but I believe that everyone needs to be taken care of. Um, so I hope that helps. Excellent. Thank you so much. And uh, I think there is just one last comment from Dalia Panza. Thank you on behalf of the Y International community or WhatsApp group, Stephen. Love it. Uh, Love excellent. it. And uh, one, and one other thing, yeah, one other thing people can do if, so we've started, we just started it in January and it's up to like 45,000 people. We have a Facebook community called inspired, safe and fulfilled. You can find it on, um, if you go facebook.com forward slash Simon Sinek, you can find it right on Simon Sinek's page, but it's, it's, it's a global community of people who care about creating a more inspired, safe and fulfilled world. It's been a blast to, to be a part of seeing people all over the world supporting each other. So if you want to find more ways, um, uh, uh, Delia and all to join the international community, um, uh, go for it. Amazing. Good, good to see. Excellent. So thank you everyone for joining us today. Um, you know, remember if you found this content to be uh, uh, good for you, please go ahead and follow uh, Simon Sinek's community, follow Steven Shedletsky, uh, get onto those online courses. And, and of course, uh, you know, follow us at We Are Torre. We are going to be releasing this content on YouTube, IGTV, LinkedIn, and also on the podcast over the weekend. If you think this is going to be good for someone, send it to them. If you can't find any of this or you have questions find me on linkedin find me on facebook find me anywhere you can and and i'll make sure that you know we get those questions to steven and i hope after this uh thanks to the conversation with steven you are finding uh your day to be more inspiring safer and also fulfilled for you thank you so much for your words and your insights steven thank you eddie a pleasure all right everyone uh see you tomorrow we'll be talking about 3d printing and how it's changing the world as well so talk to you tomorrow bye bye steven thank you so much thank you thank you for listening and remember to share like and comment if this content brought value to your life you can find us on social media as we are torre explore more content at blog.torre.co see you around <laughs>